the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, Episode 134. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now onto the show. Hey, my friend. Good morning. How are you? I am excellent this morning. Oh, I like when you have excellent mornings. I know, right? I do. I have steered the ship back in. (laughs) Last week, it wasn't so clear. No, it's been weeks. It's been Mm. weeks, but um, things are good right now. Turned it around? Even though my circumstances haven't changed. Isn't that always the case? Circumstances, Mm -hmm. the same. (laughs) Perspective shifted. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm probably, you took some action on some things too, which I would imagine helps. I did. I did. I, you know, I'm a girl that needs a direction. Mm-hmm. And when I'm feeling directionless, I, uh, yeah, it's all the things that come with that. <laughs> hmm. Well, um, I had a, I know you had a, an interesting week last week when we last recorded, you had some fires to put out, uh, last week for me, I, I, I hate to even say this cause it's that word busy. It's like that four letter word. And I always like to say like, I don't know a woman who isn't busy. Right. I mean, every single woman I know is a busy woman. Um, but last week seemed particularly full. I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. And I had to, I had jury duty to call in to every single day. And so like Wednesday, um, they had me calling at like 1115 and I had to be there by 1215 and I live about 45 minutes away from the courthouse. So it's like, I, I don't live just around the corner. So I had to like jet on out of here. I was like, great. Um, but I went to the courthouse, Sandra and you know, jury duty is just fun, right? Just really mm. fun. Mm. I know that I have to do it. It's my duty, right? And being an Enneagram 2, all about service, I'm like, all right, got to go do my jury duty service. Um, the first time I got called for jury duty was the day after 9-11. Mm. And that was so interesting. So I tried to remember that when I was driving there last week, that it's my duty. It's my civic duty. And um, that I got a speech from the judge on September 12th. 2001 that I will never forget about what it was like, what what it is to be an American citizen in our judicial system and how things work. So he gave like the speech of his life that day. And it was an eerie, weird day, as you recall, I'm sure. Um, So when I went this week, I was kind of like, okay, here's the deal. So I brought all this work with me. I thought I was going to be writing. No, you can't do anything. Hmm. (laughs) You have to just sit and listen because you might be called up there and they might ask you the same question. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm not going to be able to get anything done. So it forced me to like, just be right. Mm-hmm. Just be fully present. And um, the thing was, it was a DUI case mm. and it was interesting. Um, you know, as I was sitting there thinking like, who would want me on the jury? Like would the prosecution want me on the jury? Maybe. 
um, being a sober person, you know, and I thought, are they even going to ask that? Like, would they know that? Or would I reveal that? I don't know. I was kind of in my head about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And as they were doing jury selection, that was the question, like, do you drink? Mm. And it was really weird. Cause I thought, what if you're not out about your sobriety and you're, you know, getting asked these questions? Like for me, it was fine. Well, you have to answer, answer, honestly, you're in a court of law. Right. Which was interesting as I was hearing the people respond, because I was thinking, is that the truth? <laughs> you know? And I was thinking one person was like, um, I'm allergic to it. And I thought, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That language. <laughs> that language yeah. I know. Right. So mm-hmm, that's one way to put it. And then another person just said, uh, I don't like the taste of it. And then another person said, you know, I'm 38 years sober and in recovery. And I really don't want to be on this jury. Mm. So uh, a lot of just non-drinkers just because they don't like it is what I heard. Um, so I thought, oh, well, I'll just be really straight, you know, because I thought the defense would maybe want me, maybe not want me. Somebody who drinks, I don't know. So That's was so really- complicated because like who's going to answer, I drink a lot and then, and I also drink and drive. I'm perfect right, but, for this jury. I mean, who's going to say that? I drink a shit ton. And yeah, right. But I thought about like, what would old me be freaking out about sitting in the jury versus I, you know, I call me the new and improved me, Sandra, like the new me, the new, the last five year me. So anyhow, I didn't get called the first day. And then the second day I went back and I kind of was like, okay, just at least get me up there. Cause if you either want me or you don't, like I hated kind of being just, you know, waiting and waiting and waiting. Anyhow, I never got called. They picked their jury. They dismissed every person who didn't drink, which mm. I found interesting. And, um, I wondered if I would be judgmental. I wondered if, you know, were they being judgmental by, you know, who they were picking and dismissing? And um, I don't know, it was a whole thing. But I got home and I read my juror number, which I think I've shared on Instagram, but I read my juror number and it added up to the number 22, Hmm. which is the number that is kind of pops up for me with my friend Casey because she passed away on 222. And so I just thought that was interesting. There was a seat empty next to me both days and I just never got called. And I just had this, you know, weird kind of, I don't know, all those signs I've been seeing lately. And 22 is kind of one of those ever present ones. So I didn't get called. I think I would have been a good juror either way. I would have been, um, I would have tried to, to be really fair, but I wondered if judgment would have, yeah, I wondered if it would have come up and Mm -hmm. I guess we would have had to just see you know, what happened, but I was going to be honest when they asked me up there and I felt good that I am kind of out about my sobriety, not kind of, I am out about my sobriety because I felt confident sitting there, but I, I did wonder how the others might feel, you know, people who are more anonymous or who aren't out about their sobriety. Um, you do have anonymity in the room because they give you a juror number. So it's not like you're saying your name. Right. But I recognize the guy that had a ton of sobriety. I see him in meetings, you know, uh, but he was out about it. So anyhow, that was my big excitement from last week. I did get dismissed, but, uh, I had two days of just kind of having to accept what is Mm, and not, not getting anything done that, you know, Tammy had big plans to get everything done. (laughs) Just had to be, uh, by the way, I've never done jury duty because I, you better knock on something right now. I've always avoided (laughs) it. I've always like said I was sick or something, but I must say that I've never been asked to be a juror in since I've been sober. So I probably would have a different response now. But right, but, yeah, we do. We show know, up differently. Is, hello, <laughs> who are you talking to here? I, of course, like I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's not worth my time. I don't care. I'm gonna be hungover. What I can't gonna do. do? <laughs> doing that, civil. Duty. Yeah, we show up differently <laughs> in sobriety, don't we? Yeah, we totally do. Sure, sure. I'd be a good so. juror now. Yeah. Well, should we introduce our guest today? She's just sitting here patiently on yeah. the third line. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything you want to promote before we jump in? Um, I will quickly, quickly promote that I am still, I can still take a few more clients for Change Your Story. Um, 
It is a one-on-one -on -one mentoring um, experience where uh, we will um, work on something that you really want to like a big dream or a goal or a small goal even that you want to accomplish before the end of the year. Just go to my website, unruffled.com, click on the bar at the top and you can get lots of, lots more information. All right. So today we have our friend Jillian Da Silva. Hi, Jillian. Hello. Good welcome, morning. Welcome to the show, Jillian. Thank you. Um, am I Am I being heard? <laughs> you are. We can hear you loud oh. and clear. We had, we had to troubleshoot some, some volume this morning, and I'm sure we've, we did. we've worn Julian down. <laughs> She's at ease Absolutely now. She's not. at ease with us. <laughs> I am. And just for a, few, for a few moments there, I was listening to you girls talking, and I thought, I forgot I was the guest. I'm like... Thinking, People I'm say that here listening to your podcast. It's fun. It's funny. <laughs> so yeah, it's People it's an honor, that. an honor to be here, you guys. Really. Oh, we are so happy to have you, um, Jillian. Where are you speaking to us from? I am just outside of Toronto, and I'm in a small community, just a little tiny uh, burb, um, thirty minutes east, called Oshawa, Ontario. Nice. Well, when you say Toronto mm. and Ontario is when I can hear your Canadian. I can hear you. I can hear the Canadian in you. It's very You subtle. can hear that, eh? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's very subtle, but yes. I yeah. Can yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right, Jillian. Well, the way we usually like to start our show is, can you tell our listeners how you came to the decision to stop drinking? Um, you don't have to start from your first drink unless you want to, but, um, Oh, hmm. But oh, the first drink I do remember. And, <laughs> do you? Uh, I do. I remember it because I was nine years old. Oh, wow. And I know, and this sounds really strange, but it wasn't, um, it was very memorable to me because it was an anisette punch and anisette has licorice flavoring and it was a Christmas gathering at my grandparents' house. And my uncle thought it would be really funny to feed me this punch and see what happened. And mm. so I had my first little glow on at the age of nine and I thought, Ooh, that was good. And, um, but then I didn't drink again for many years, obviously, but that was my very first drink. And then I think, I wasn't, I wasn't a drinker really. And I never used drugs. Even through high school, I was a very kind of just, I did my own thing. I kind of stuck my toe in the water of drinking a little bit. And then, um, I would just stop because it didn't appeal to me. I think I was handling things. My mental health was in check at the time I was fine. And then it really, the drinking for me kind of slippery sloped itself into my life around the time of the birth of my second child. Now I, that was around age 35 and mm. I was a new mom again. I had the postpartum thing happening and I had a new business. I had opened my little spa and so my hands were full and I was overwhelmed. And for me, the drinking began as a way to forget Mm -hmm. Forget what? Forget that I had clients that were demanding, a new right. baby that was demanding, a house that was falling apart because I was, you know, up to my eyeballs in laundry. And then I had another four and a half year old daughter to care for. So things were just a little bit too much. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was a new business owner, never having been a business owner before as well. And that was a new learning curve. And so that's for me, I thought, oh gosh, I have to find a way to sleep at night. And for me, nice. the wine, the wine was um, an after dinner. The kids are in bed. Okay, let's go because that was how I went to sleep. It was right. almost you like a self medication. Up. Yeah, you were just ramped up on uh, the cortisol or whatever that happens in our body when we're we've got to we've, we're doing so much, and it was a Absolutely. way to to yeah. And wine. Settle in. Even though it winds us up and we can't sleep as well, but we think that it helps. Yeah, it's a solution. 
it's the temporary. Soul. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That's yeah. And that, that's the, Oh, it, it was. And, and then as you said, Tammy, the problems from self-medicating with the wine began, you know, hot flashes at night, not sleeping well, you know, neglecting my, my home and not, not because I, 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 I'm a natural homemaker. So for me, I was kind of giving up. I was behind the eight ball every day and I didn't see that I was doing it to myself. Isn't that interesting? It's like, um, I felt a little bit like outside looking in on my life. It's almost like I was observing it during that time. Right. Because if you are a homemaker and if you are somebody that likes to, um, so totally self-motivated, right. I feel like all the women that we have on the show, everyone does so much and very talented, very creative, um, big hearted yet. It's almost seems like by doing all of those things while drinking, it just really kind of, I don't know, kind of just erodes us. It tears us down at the same time, but we're putting on the facade because we've been doing it for so long. You have to just kind of keep faking it. Right. Fake it yeah. Till and you get, and I hate you get to that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you don't it see also, another way out. Yeah. It also allows you to tolerate things too, that, that you are, or that kind of are intolerable, like, like trying to do everything. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. being the stamina and the energy up and, you know, and, and then, you know, you said you, you drank to, to unwind or to sleep, but then you end up shooting yourself in the foot, of course, because then you, it makes sleeping actually worse than better. And, you know, but then you don't know once you're in the cycle, you, you, you can't, you can't come up for water. It's groundhog I mean, for day. air. That's right. right. You can't come up for air, right? Yeah, it's groundhog. Yeah. Day. So, so you were doing that. Yeah. Job. So oh, it two- was Groundhog Day. Oh <laughs> my gosh! Perfect description. <laughs> right. Groundhog Day every day, looking in the mirror, and my husband saying, "Give yourself a break. You're beating yourself up again. Just get on with your day." And oh, I, man. he's like, "You know what? You know, you either have to do something about it or stop complaining about it." And that was mm-hmm. for me because I wanted to quit every day. And he said, you know what, you're fine. Cause it, you know, and he was supportive not because he was an enabler, but because he was being logical. He was saying, you know what, like either do something about this and fucking fix it or stop bitching to me, you know, because he didn't have the problem. It was mine. Right. And every morning I looked in my mirror and I thought, you know what, Jill, I don't really like you today. I don't like that you did this again. Mm. That was my groundhog day. So yeah. that was the perfect description for that. Yeah. It's like we betray ourselves over and over and over again. And well, for your husband, yeah, yeah, I'm sure he loves you. He doesn't want to hear you beating yourself up and yeah, do something about it. That's, that's where we're going. It's where we're headed, right? (laughs) Because there's a feeling um, um, that I hear in the rooms that talk about a feeling of a lot of people quit when they have a feeling of incomprehensible demoralization. And that's kind of what was happening every day when I looked in the mirror. And when I heard that phrase in the rooms, I was like, oh, they nailed it. That was it. Mm-hmm. That's or the, the other, they nailed it. Or the other phrase that you just finally get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. You can finally look mm-hmm. at yourself objectively in your life and you're like, enough. I can't enough. Yeah. 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 So, so you're, so you're getting there. Your, your husband is talking to you about it. You know, it every morning you're having this conversation in your head. How and when yeah. and what age were you when you were finally like, I'm done? Yeah. Yeah. He always, he was always very, uh, and has been a number one supporter in my life in every arena, but he was just, he was being supportive in a tough love kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like get, get it together or stop complaining. Like just get, you know? So I, one morning woke up, we had gone out to a cancer fundraiser of all things. And at this cancer fundraiser, the irony is they serve a lot of alcohol, right? Yeah. Right. So I, I got into the alcohol. It was at a hotel. The whole family was there. My kids were there. My extended family was there. Friends. We were fundraising for this thing. And I got really, 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 really drunk. And I went to bed at a crazy late time, three in the morning or something. And I woke up the following morning and here's, the craziest thing. It was Mother's Day the next morning. And my kids had brought presents 
and cards and they were so excited for me to wake up and open my presents they had made me and bought me and I was in the worst shape of my life. So mm-hmm. you, you remember the, the perfection is rooted in shame whole thing with Brene Brown? Yeah. I'm sitting there thinking this perfection game has to end now. Because like this isn't this isn't something I can continue on with. I'm not a perfect person. I've been trying to pretend I am for the last ten years, trying to keep it all together and drink and be a mom and do this business. Today is the day I am done. And I, I actually it's almost like the camel's back was finally broken. This was straw. And so I pulled it together. I we made it home and on the drive home I said to my husband, I'm not drinking anymore. And he just kind of laughed. He's like, okay, (laughs) you know, because he had heard that quite a few times before this day. And I said, no, I'm done. I mean it. I'm done. And I knew it in my soul at that point that I was done. And I knew it had to be a cold break. It had to be cold turkey. And I wasn't going to moderate. And I wasn't going to try to control my alcohol. I knew in my heart that if I didn't stop, that I was going to make my life worse. I was going to probably end up killing my business and ruining my family and myself. So that was the day. And, and it was a hard few weeks. I remember sticking to that decision. And it was just like when I quit smoking, I had to fight through those cravings because in the evenings when the kids were in bed, I was reaching for that bottle. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was reaching for it. And, and so in those weeks after my decision, I, I had to find new things to do. I had to occupy my time and I had to train myself how to go to sleep at night. I had to practice learning how to sleep again without substance, Mm -hmm. without any, any help. So I, I jumped on and I found Holly, a friend of mine from high school is a sober girl. She said, listen, she sent me an email. She said, check out this website. She can help you. From there, I found you and everyone else and all the girls from home. And then I was home. And then I was like, okay, I can do this because there's other women who are doing this. Other women who are middle-aged and doing this, because this is a scary time to make a big change like this. It's a scary time to say, I'm not going to do what all my middle-aged women friends are doing because it's a radical thing to say, you know what? I can't go to your party anymore. I can't go to your dinner party. I can't go to your house. I can't meet you at that pub anymore. So there was a whole learning curve of how do I sleep? How do I socialize? How do I have a life now? Because everything, even in my business, revolved around wine. I had events where women would come and drink and and drink and drink and drink and leave. And I didn't profit from that because a lot of women our age look for wine events. Right. I was going to say they almost expect it, right? Oh, yeah. It is very wine-centric. I mean, yoga, spas everywhere. So I have a little spa and a lot of, and I made the mistake because I was in the culture. I made the mistake of promoting my business around, you know, it's like wine o'clock, come and have a facial and a glass of wine. Whereas I should have been focused on the the aspects of my business that were the healthy ones, the, the ones that, you know, bring you um, you know, the, what I deliver now, which is more peace of mind, more relaxation, actual relief. Yeah. Real relief. Yeah. So this was, yeah. so this was in May of 2015, right? Mother's day, 2015. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. And how old were you, Jillian? I was 44. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right on mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. That's right on time. You know, I think I could. Yeah, I think so. When I was 44 as well. It was the year I was going to turn 45, but it was 44 when I finally quit. A couple months before you, Jillian. Yeah. Well, you're an angel number then. We're angel girls because 44 <laughs> is angels. Ah. I have a bit of a tinfoil hat tendency. A lot of my friends are like, oh, she's always talking about angels and crystals and incense. Ooh. But you know what? I have, I have those tools now. Those are, those are things I love. And I used to like not share that stuff with people because they would think I was a little bit on the woo side. But those are the things that I love. Those are like, mm-hmm. and we're all like in this big sobriety coven. We're like sobriety witches together. And I think <laughs> that <it>. that's, <laughs> yes. do you know what I mean? Pull With that quote, Sandra, and... for the show. <laughs> we're sobriety witches. I love it. I do too. Well, we are though. I mean, and see, and our creativity comes through in that now. This is how I'm healing my yeah. life, you know, and I don't want to get ahead of myself and start, you know, talking about creativity. But I mean, that's, 
a really big part of why I'm drawn to you and Sandra, because Sandra has the whole, I'm in love with textiles and those I find in, in sewing and textiles, that's a healing thing. And Tammy, with you and your painting, you girls are healing the right way. I mean, there's many paths to recovery, but creativity has got to be the best. I think it's the best because it it's right. really nourishing to your soul. It's nourishing to the bone, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it feels right. Because right. you're, no you're no longer engaged in destruction. You are engaged in creation. And yeah. <sighs> Profound. It's so mm-hmm. true. Well, let me, uh, Jillian, I was drawn to you. Um, I interviewed you for a ray of light series that I did in 2017. That's on my Mm, blog. So So if anybody wants to read it, it's, it's interview number 28. There's a little tab at the top that talks about writing. And I have every interview that I did that year with a woman who was sober that was in my community and everyone recovered a different way. And I got to ask them all the same questions, but they all answered so differently. And I wanted to, if it's all right, if I quote you back to you, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. I asked you, do you feel you are more or less creative since you stopped drinking? And you said, I'm still very creative more now than before when I was still drinking. I was always into painting and blogging and social media sites for photography. I also had done a ton of dream boarding, which is my go-to creative fun thing. I've been dream boarding for years. And the funny thing is in those dream boards, I glued, pasted, wrote, and doodled the life I'm living now. So those things actually create a life if you use them. They are excellent creative tools for women who want to get sober. So I wanted to just ask, is that still something that you do? And is that, as we're getting to the end of the year, I know a lot of people do vision boarding and I've never really been into it, I have to say, Jillian, and you think I would. And now that I'm getting more into collaging, I feel like the need. So can you tell us a little bit mm. about what dream boarding is to you and how, what you do and how that has helped you yeah. stay sober and manifest the life you want? Yeah. You know, it's really a lot of what you are already doing. Um, whereas, you know, you've kind of dissected it a little bit because you do painting and then you do your gratitude journals. See, all I do is combine all those things together and... I place them on one medium. So I get a, like a a poster board and I go to town, there's Sharpies, there's stickers, there's glitter, there's words on there, there's paintings, there's magazine clippings, whatever it takes, whatever, whatever comes across my path that resonates in my soul, I put it on there. Mm -hmm. And it could be a word. I mean, I've seen how your how beautiful your handwriting is, Tammy. And you know, um, so I try to do that with mine. I try to put like, uh, you know, if people pick a word of the year, some women do this, they pick a word for the year or they pick a word for the month. I, I kind of focus, tend to focus on that a little bit around the word and how I want to manifest. I know it's an overused word nowadays, manifest, but that's the only way I can describe it. So if I want to create then the life that I want, I, I focus on the vibration of that word. And so whatever resonates, if it's a magazine, picture, an article, even a recipe card, anything that I think will improve my life, if I want to draw it into my awareness, draw it into my physical world, it goes on that board. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's not even, I mean, it becomes a work of art organically. It's not like I set out to make a pretty picture at all, Mm -hmm. because I don't think life is that way. Life is you're in the middle and everything is um, in in your field, like orbiting you. And mm-hmm. that's how it goes on the board. That's how it, it ends up. And, and that's what I do. Um, and it's funny. I, I have pretty much almost all of the dream boards that I've ever made and they all have come true for me. And I, when I say come true, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing these things in my life now, these things that I desired before because I stepped into the vibration of those things by putting them onto a physical board and looking at them every day. Mm. And there's magic there. And I believe that, I believe that we, we create with our thoughts and I believe we create with our creativity. And if we can get that creativity that's in our heart space out onto that board, which you did with the geographic and you did with your gratitude journals and Sandra, you do with your, gowns and your kimonos and all your things that you girls do these are things that are coming out of you that are already in you this is the beauty of healing 
in sobriety, you get to, you get to bring all of that that's inside of you. That's already there out. Mm-hmm. And then you that's see like, it in your mm-hmm. actual world. Yeah. You get to make a tangible thing from something that you are feeling inside. You get to make mm-hmm. something tangible from an emotion or a feeling or a thought or a presence, a way of being. Um, you're right. Now, do you um, keep keep that, the say, the board that you made for the year? Do you keep it out so you can reference it during the year or so you can like look at it? And think yeah. About it? I revisit them a lot and it's funny my I had I keep them I have a walk-in closet and I keep them plastered up on the wall and it's not pretty okay <laughs> it's just like it's like it looks like a college dorm room okay I like it system. there's jewelry hanging on hooks there's hats tacked to the wall and there's these boards and and when I walk into my closet to get dressed every day which by the way is another act of creativity that it takes so seriously because that again is part of how I bring myself into the world. But on another note, I'm looking at the wall as I get dressed. Mm. And these things are programming me. I know it sounds weird and it's like very woo language, but it's sense, programming though. me, right? Mm-hmm. And you're doing the same thing, both of you, through the work that you do because you're cultivating this beauty in your life. And I mean, we have choices. We can stay stuck and victimized. Or we can say, you know what, I'm going to shift my perspective, which you talked about at the beginning of this show with the jury thing. You can shift your perspective and look at it a little bit differently, right? And say, no, I can choose this other path. And that's, that's how I kind of fandangled my way into sobriety. It was quite like haphazard and sloppy, but I did it like one day at a time, one little step at a time. And I just creatively clawed my way out of my sorrow and misery you know it's like Mm. Frida Kahlo right I mean Mm. she was so tortured (laughs) she was a tortured creative you know and and she said she tried to drown her sorrows and they learned how to swim right I mean you can only drown them for so long before you have to turn around and say no I gotta make something beautiful out of this which she did right Mm. and I guess you guys can both relate to that yeah and you too so yeah Jillian, thank you so much. You've just taken me on like a little journey here. Yeah. Oh, good. With your, with your vision boarding, it's like, it is, it's what we're doing with our lives, our dream boarding. It's, it's the same thing. Like, and, and I like that you, it's, I believe you do this with other women too, right? That you're kind of guiding them. Mm -hmm. The things that you share, I can see you doing that on your Instagram account and the things that you are promoting and saying and sharing and letting your woo out, whatever that means, or, you know, to anybody else, Mm -hmm. it's like, you're letting yourself out. Your intuition is telling you to be more you. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. You're very insightful girls. You are. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. We need to have Jillian on. (laughs) Jillian, you're booked again. You're already booked again for the future. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. Well, Um, and it, it, it becomes like a confirmation bias, right? Like then you start to see, you start to see the world reflects back to you what you are believing, right? In yourself in your confidence, in your creativity, in your evolution, you start to see those things out in the world. And um, so, yeah, so those kind of vision boards or dream boards or like, um, you know, idea journals or, uh, you know, name it, my like my name it journal, like anything Mm -hmm. where you can like Mm -hmm. put things down tangibly your goals, your dreams, your, even if they, even like, like you said, with the vision board, even though you're just doing it intuitively and sometimes it doesn't quite make sense until later on, those are, Mm -hmm. those are, that's your intuition telling you it's trying to guide you. And then you start to see the world reflects back those things. Yeah, you're right. It's about building yourself up, right? Mm -hmm. The, um, the, the image that I have on your interview, if anybody wants to see one of your dream boards, um, it's so cool because I don't know what year this was from, Jillian, but there's like so many things here that are so you. And now that I know you, not very well, but as much as I know you, um, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You have this image of Cleopatra and mm-hmm. you have, um, you know, this word glow is on there, meditate, you have the beautiful food. And in your own handwriting, you're writing that you want to sing more. 
that you want to create oh. delicious meals, um, that you yeah. want to give joy, that you want to, and then you were like, uh, feel empathy. And you're like, you wrote a note to yourself that I do this well. Um, oh. laugh most heartily. Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff yeah. Right? <laughs> right. You're like, I like that girl. I'm going to hang out with her. Yeah. yeah. So There's a lotus. There's a lotus flower. Oh. <laughs> okay. I got the ancient Egyptian, like fucking full on mm-hmm. fan girl. Um, mm-hmm. also, um, you know, just any of that stuff because the ancients knew more than we do. We, we, we're as technologically somewhat advanced society, but we're really an ass backwards society. <laughs> and I find that in my recovery, I want to get back to my ancient roots. I want to know, you know, I'm reading Megan Watterson's Mary Magdalene Revealed. I'm learning about other women who did the journey and had to become themselves despite, you know, this patriarchal mess that's out there. And I mean, I believe in the sacred masculine hundred percent as I believe in the feminine. Okay. It's a balance. And I don't want to discount the men in my life. They're all beautiful, but here's the thing. We need to claim our femininity and we need to claim our divinity. And through those things, we got to get simple. Okay. Get in the kitchen with your cauldron and make a fucking soup. Like Mm -hmm. these are the beautiful things of sobriety that helped draw me out of my misery, making a soup, chopping the onions. There's, there's creativity in that, you know, and and, you know, when you create, when you cook with love and you make your beds in the house with love and you water your plants with joy and talk to them, which I do, I'm a fucking nut job with talking to the plants. <laughs> and, you know, it's like people say, you have a green thumb. I'm like, I, I, you know what? I don't even have a green thumb. I don't even know what this plant is called. I just give it my love. I talk to it, you know, I'm, and then I have to somewhat like look it up and say, okay, well, what is this plant that I love so much? I don't even know what it is. And then, you know, learn about mm-hmm. it. These are the things in, in a creative homemaker's life. Cause I consider myself a homemaker, even though I'm a business gal, like <laughs> I have a good balance going on now. I cut my hours down at work. I'm trying to be at home as much as I am at work so that my family benefits from my mental health. I want them to benefit from that. And I want to set an example for my two daughters that mm. cooking dinner is not a chore. Cooking dinner is an exercise in joy. I put the music on, you know, the Kundalini chill out is going and the kids make fun of it. And the funny thing is now they're singing it. They downloaded it. You know, when I put that, when I put the thing on my, my dream board, sing more, I ended up singing more because I went to Kundalini yoga and there's a ton of singing, which sounds so crazy and weird, but you're singing these mantras that are actually reprogramming you. Mm. I have a few, um, after I went to Austin, um, to Sandra's women's circle with Sarah Andrews and, and Sasha Corellis. And we ended up at the Airbnb and Sarah brought, what is the, is it a harmonium? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the name of it. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> I think it is. And she sang that night and we all sang as well, Jillian. And it was like oh. magic. It was like yeah. angels singing or something. It was like this moment that oh. I'll not, I will not forget. And I said, can I record it? And I recorded just all of the voices together and it just sounded so beautiful. So I, I get oh, it. And I never shit. thought I would do that and listen to it. I know, right? Music. I know, I, it's on my morning mix. Yeah. Crazy thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I love, love that. Oh, I wish I was there. I, I love to join in on that. I love everything oh. you just said. Um, I just want to go hang out in your kitchen while you're twirling yeah. around making soup, mm. by the way, <laughs> side notes, <laughs> but, um, you know, I if we could love... all just do that today, let's take that right? exercise. Mm-hmm. We're all going to twirl around and do the soup thing. And it's so sure. interesting. I've been having the same conversation lately with, um, you know, there's, there's things that, that we have done as women and, you know, they could be called domestic arts or, or whatever. And maybe you don't, maybe you don't relate to the domestic arts and that's okay. But I think what, what sobriety does to us, one of the byproducts is that we just start to care. We just start to give a shit about, Mm -hmm. about things, about our environment and the food we eat and we, and, and, and the, and the mm-hmm. music we listen to and the smells we want to smell. Yeah. We just start baby. Yeah. It. We just start creating the thing that we want because we care. We mm-hmm. just, we just give a shit about it. 
I know, and it feels good to give a shit. It feels good. Yes. Yes. And you're awake to your life. You're awake to your life in a way um, that, or I'm awake to my life in a way that I was not before, for sure. Um, I heard a Mm -hmm. woman speak Mm -hmm. this week that said, instead of thinking about that you have to change in sobriety, think about that you get to awaken in sobriety, get awakened to your life. She's like, that feels softer to me than I have to change because I resist change and people resist change. But think about that. You're just awakening to your life. And I, I left that room and I had written in little note, my notebook. And I thought that's exactly it. Every day. It's a little, (sighs) you know, a little bit more that I'm waking up a little bit more. And I know there's those phrases being woke or whatever. And, uh, but just, it's true. You just wake up. Yeah. I'm I'm awake in a way that I I never was before. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if we're talking to other middle-aged women or other, any age, you could be 90. If you're considering becoming a sober person, that's key. That is key. It's okay to rebuild yourself at any age. It's okay to become who you are meant to be and wake up. And it's not an overused word. If you're actually living it, it's not, it's not some trite phrase like manifesting and all this stuff that, you know, all these words that are out there, like Mm -hmm. being woke. It's if you're woke, you're, you are doing it. You're, you're getting it. And so these words won't trigger you. You'll be fine with them because you'll understand them from within. Like you're going to get it because waking up is what it's all about. And that's yeah. so true. God, Tammy. Oh, you're so freaking insightful. Well, these yes. are other people's words. I just yeah. listen and write it down. <laughs> right. And I'm going to write it down. But I, res- I resist I, in early sobriety because of my judgment and because that was one of my character things that I needed to work on. I thought about how judgmental I was of everyone and everything. And that's why mm-hmm. what I don't understand, I judged. Um, I still don't oh. understand a lot of things, but I'm in a place of acceptance more and open mindedness and willingness and all of those things that I cultivate through my sobriety because I practice those or you, we get, we get the opportunity to be that way. I'm way more open to magic. <laughs> I'll say it out loud now. Oh, and awesome, two awesome. things I'm listening to this book called signs. Um, and it's the secret, it's the language of the universe, the secret language of the universe and talking about the other side and just listening to that whole book. I'm like, I would have judged this book so hard five years ago, <laughs> but not yeah. now. Like right now I'm like inviting yeah. it in. And I think that's, I, I appreciate seeing what I've changed, what has shifted, what I'm willing to accept or believe, or just not even believe, just be open to, to drop the judgment. So while it's still there, um, Sandra talks about, you know, the opposite of, or not the opposite, but the other way to look at it is discernment, right? Sandra, mm-hmm. instead of being just judgmental, we can discern what is, what is for us. And it oh, feels like a, a juicy softer, word, Sandra. Mm-hmm. Right? It is a good word, right? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It just that requires mm-hmm. being a grown up. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Totally. Oh, yeah. That's a juicy word. That's a fully loaded word, and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And discernment. Yes, I I really, really dig that word. And um, and it's not about. It ties in with the saying no thing, which none of us like to do. So we don't want to be judgy, and we don't want to say no. Two things we really got to get over. So we got to get 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 used to saying no without making excuses. And we have to learn to be discerning. I love this. I'm learning a lot from you too. <laughs> Let's have... take some serious notes. <laughs> well, um, so how long has Kundalini been in your life? How long have you been practicing or has that been a way that you've, um, have you always okay. done that? No, I thought it was crazy. I thought people who, who wore all that stuff was out of their crazy minds. Okay. Wearing the white and <laughs> chanting. I thought it was judgment. ridiculous. I'm, I'm still working on it, man. I'm still judgmental. I, but here's the thing. I was uh, about one month sober and I was reading Gabby Bernstein's, uh, I think it was her spirit junkie book. One of yeah. her books she talks about, and I love all her writing, but I, she talks about she did Kundalini yoga when she was in recovery. First of all, I didn't know she was in recovery. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. That's so inspiring. But then she said she did Kundalini yoga. I thought, okay, I got to find an instructor and give this a try. So I Googled and I found a girl who is now one of my best friends, by the way. Aww. I mean, isn't life magical? Yes. So 
you know, and then, I mean, this whole circle of new friends in my life has grown because of her. And it's just, it's all beautiful. But I started in early sobriety because I wanted something new to focus on. And that was one of my tools, um, was finding a new hobby other than, you know, bending my elbow. (laughs) Yes. And that's a great, I I mean, highlight, take out your highlighter and highlight that because that is a really, um, that's a, that's a, that's a good way to get and stay sober is to find something that you like to do more than drinking. It's almost and like it's a, a brave repl- step. A replacement activity. Yeah. It requires a lot of faith because sometimes you might not know you would like something until you try it. And so I dragged my butt to her class and I was in tears the first class because at the end of a class in Kundalini, you're singing this long time sun chant which sounds so simple and childlike, but it can crack you the fuck wide open. And Mm -hmm. it cracked me so open. I was in tears and she said to me, oh my God, you're healing. This is gorgeous. She's like, this is good. And I was a mess on the floor. And she just, because she held that space. And that's what Kundalini does. And there's another phrase, which is overused, but holding the space is important for each other, for humans. And this is what she did for me. And she was non-judgmental. I mean, here's this fit engineer who does kundalini on the side and she's she's looking at my sloppy ass on the floor and she's holding that space for me and I thought this is what we do for each other when we are not well we hold that space for each other and she did that for me and um so that's when I started to answer your question in such a long-winded way sorry Mm -hmm. I started in early sobriety with that because that's what kept me on the path and I stuck to it because um it's working. I mean, every day, every time I do a class, there's something I find about myself that I, I need to work on. You I'm a work open. in progress, baby. You are. Well, you were open yeah. to it, right? Like, yeah, you, you were sober for a month, you said. And I loved finding out that people were sober, like when I would read something or find someone. And it was almost like, like, like I know she has that book, Super Attractor now. I haven't read it, but I imagine it's, it is like a, an attraction that you have. Like when I heard Sandra getting interviewed on the Sense Right Now podcast, I just, I knew I wanted to be her friend. Like that was the, oh, that was the gal, sure, she, you know, she's doing the work and she, mm-hmm. she admits to the shortcomings and like mm-hmm. all of us were not perfect. And I love that when she has a challenge, she'll say, you know what, this came up and I'm working through it. And I mean, we can all do that. This is something yeah. we can all apply in our lives. We don't have to be best-selling writers like her. We can, we can offer our gifts to the world and our service, like just through your Instagram page, cause you girls do it all the time. And, 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 and we, we help people, even if they're not commenting or responding, they're reading, right. they're reading it because they need it. Like if they've hashtag sober, they're looking for help. They're reaching out. Like it's a very important motherfucking hashtag, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's probably sure. saving lives, you mm-hmm. know? Well, the Instagram yeah. community, I mean, that's how I found Laura and Holly from the home podcast. Holly Whitaker, just because you mentioned her earlier, um, she ran hip sobriety mm-hmm. school. And she now runs the Tempest and the Tempest Sobriety mm, School. Delicious. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if, if listeners are listening, that's um, who we're referring to. But I think like finding a community, and it seems like that's what you're doing. Like you are, you are helping and sharing your light um, through Instagram. What, what motivates you to do that? Or how do you, I mean, cause you're really good at it. Oh, thanks. I don't know if I'm good at it or not. You know what the thing is, cause this is a, a creativity podcast. And creativity for me is that, that is my creativity. Sometimes I'll repost something I find really inspiring and I'll put like a caption about what it means to me, how it applies to me. And then I'll repost the original caption with it, or I'll borrow a photo or a piece of art, or I'll create my own art. Because for me, even, even doing my own little posters to post on there is fun because it's part of my healing. And if something resonates with me inside that has had a a direct effect on my own healing I want to share it and I just want to put that out there because you know what those little seeds they get planted I get notes from ladies in my direct messages on Instagram a lot that say okay I've never commented before but I just have to say that I'm six months sober now and it's because I found you and I'm in tears like I'm thinking this is great and you don't and it's important that the women share that with you too because 
they might not have to go public with it or make a comment, but if they've said to you, you know what, like, I haven't had a drink in six months, my heart skips a beat. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, because w- do you guys remember being in her shoes? Because I do. Yeah, like, right. Sure. And, and, you know, oftentimes, yeah, oftentimes you might be the first and only person that they've said those words to as well. And so, yeah, yeah, that's, um, that's exactly that's Instagram for good, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And that's where we need to use discernment, Sandra, to <laughs> decide, okay, how are we going to use the social media? Cause you know, it can be kind of a toxic uh, swamp out there at times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I choose who I follow really very carefully. I follow um, some men on there, some women, cause you know, I, I know that we've had a lot of white male voices in the world, but there are still some really valid ones that I follow because you know, they might not necessarily be an AA, but they have their own recovery path. And I honor that. I want to know what their journey is like too, because as humans, we have to help each other. And I think a lot of times the men out there are actually reading our pages because they need us to, like, they need to read what we're contributing because it's helping them. I mean, even if it helps them become a little less toxic or understand their own judgment or their own journey, it's all working together. We've got to rise up together. Right. And Instagram is a beautiful space for that. Because if you don't want to comment right away, you can, you don't have to, it's not like a telephone call. Like you can take a break and you can think about something and you can let it ruminate and you can learn an awful lot from there, from people. Yeah. You get to pick and choose and you get to, yeah, your, your interaction with it and how much you want to be on it and all of it. I save a lot of things that I can go back and read later. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so Jillian, I was going to ask you because for me, um, <laughs> I like the way that you described it and I just watched fight club the other night, but, um, in your interview, you told me that your friends were like your sober fight club. <laughs> I really like, I really like that. Like, oh, after I saw the I movie, I was like, violence. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to do boxing. Actually, I've re- I'm really drawn to like violence and not in a weird way but like I'm drawn to that outlet I think there's me too. Something animalistic me too. about it and I think I, I you know agree. wrestling been... yes boxing mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. <laughs> we're humans too we're animals we have to um yeah so yeah sober fight club I mean what happens there stays there right, <laughs> right. yeah definitely yeah well, and, and that's the thing it's sacred I mean we don't we don't go talking about everyone's trauma with other people we we right. have to generalize and we have to use we have to use discernment there because it's very very um delicate waters like when you're discussing people's lives and and because particularly now with the state of our mental health and the way our world is we don't want to we don't want to cause harm you know first cause no harm you know we're all physicians in in this life we have to doctor each other up and say Mm. you know what we're all going to just be hold each other up as carefully as we can and and that comes with sobriety because before i didn't give two shits about the other guy <laughs> it's like yeah. fuck you right. it's all about me <laughs> it right. is all about me every every right? woman and, for herself yeah for sure <laughs> yeah it's true and i and i mean i'm growing as a person too as a, you know this whole sober fight club too it's for me it's about becoming a better person and the other people in my, in my club, they help me do that. And that includes you guys. Like the, we are helping each other grow. Yeah. And, um, and, and I try not to react. I used to be a very reactive person with an anger management problem. Mm-hmm. And um, so in sobriety, I've become this like weak, not weak, that's the wrong word to use. I've become a softer version, okay, mm-hmm. of myself. Mm-hmm. And I listen I'm a better listener, you know, even when it comes to dealing with clients and their, their discomforts or their unhappiness, I, I address it immediately. Whereas before I would think, Oh, you know, screw you. Don't come back here then. Now I'm like, Oh, I'm listening. Oh, Oh, I hear you. Okay. Let me fix that. Let me, let's, let's fix this. You know, Mm -hmm. this is how you build clients. This is how you build friendships and relationships. Like you listen and you learn and you grow. It's not about being perfect because I really can't stand the perfection thing. And that's rampant these days. Mm -hmm. And that's why creativity is, is so flexible and and it's malleable. It's like we get to not be perfect and it's still beautiful. For sure. Well, it's like in sobriety, I feel I can respond rather than react. I was very reactive as well, um, Jillian. So it was like, yeah, it was was just, um, it's like a superpower now a little bit, you know, it's the pause, right? Mm -hmm. We've learned these things. Like if you just pause and 
you, I can hear things now where I couldn't, I just was right about everything before because hello, don't you know me? I'm right about everything. No, no I'm not <laughs> so right twins? anymore. <laughs> are we twins? Yes. Oh my fucking God. I think like, we are. Yeah. Like what? You didn't hear what I said? I'm like, okay. Like, hello, Period. I'm right. End of sentence. <laughs> Have you met me? Yeah. End of sentence. End of discussion. And yet, oh my gosh, the amount of knowledge that's out there and the, the amount of uh, perspectives. It's mind blowing. Yeah. I well, could have been your twin. <laughs> I think about I think about the phrase um hurt hurt people hurt, right? And that is so mm. true. Um, but then healed people heal. It's like we just that's what we want to do is 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 help heal because we are healing ourselves and want to be of service. I'm curious, um, Jillian, do you have you noticed like a difference in your business, the way your business has grown or, or the way, um, mm -hmm. it operates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not chasing the dollars. I'm not going with the stress model. So I, I had formerly about five or six staff members and I was drinking my face off. Now it's me. Um, it's just me. I work by appointment only and I manage my clients. I manage my time and I manage my home and I'm not making as much money, but for me, it's not about that. And I'm surviving. I'm okay. I'm not broke, but here's the thing. I'm so fucking happy. Like I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I love looking after my life in this way because it's balancing to me. I was very out of balance before. And so now my business is, is actually, it works for me and see a lot of programming out there teaches people that there's a 24 seven model of business. And if you don't follow this, that you're going to go out of business. You're right? doing it wrong. Yeah. And I think for me, I said, no, I said to myself, if the clients want to see me and I am the right person for them, they'll book on these days within this time frame, And that's what's happened. So my clients know when I'm available and they work around my schedule and I, and I work around theirs. And this is how it's become this organic thing that works. And I've got a full schedule. So people will say to me, how's business? And I'm like, ah, the same. But to me, that's great. That means I'm succeeding. Because for me, my calendar is full and I go to work and I'm, I'm as busy as I can be. I can't be any busier and I can't be any less busy because I've scheduled it that way. And it's just working. I don't know. I Maybe I, I need to be it. a little more ambitious and go conquer the world and be the next Amazon. I don't want to do that. I don't like the way the world is. I don't want, I don't want to be part of that model. I like this microcosm of let's be more locally minded. Let's work within our parameters. Let's stay healthy. That for me is success. I was just going to say that you get to define your own, you, you know, your own version of success. And that sounds like success to me. It is. And my relationship has grown with my clients as a result. So I have better, my clients are, are happier people because I'm focused on them and it's all about them when they're with me. They have the entire building to themselves. It's very peaceful. It's very healing. And, and we get to talk and it's therapeutic for some of them, you know, mm. it's, um, it's just the way it goes. You know, I bartended for years, which is where I dabbled my toe in the whole drinking thing. I bartended for years and bartending, you're, you're listening to a lot of people's woes. And now it's the same. I'm bartending, but I, there's no alcohol involved. So I'm doing a facial, but we're talking about life and women need this outlet. Mm -hmm. Women need to talk to other women about their problems and not try and hold it all together because that's a dangerous thing. You're going to explode one day if you don't talk to you, other people about your imperfections and how your life is not wonderful. Cause you know what? Life is you're always going to get in the way of life. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to deal with it together. And so my business is a reflection of that. Like it is what it is. <laughs> you know, I can pay my phone bill. I'm good. I go to the thrifting stores. I go shop at regular stores too. But I mean, now I'm like eco-minded. Whereas before I was like, fuck the earth, who cares? Now I'm like, oh, you know what? Thrifting is good. Like I'm, I'm learning new things every day. So. Well, I love the healing work that you do with women. And I wanted to, I, might, I should have mentioned this at the top of the hour, but anyhow, here we are. Um, the first year of my sobriety, Jillian, I got a facial every month on the third of the month to celebrate my um, sobriety. Oh, and it was so this nice. thing because I had, my face had blown up. Um, it, my, my whole body was breaking down at the end, like with all the sugar and how much I was drinking. And I had cyst, cystic acne all over my um jawline and throat and neck. Mm -hmm. It was just embarrassing. 
And so mm-hmm. every month I would go and then she would talk to me. Eventually I would cut out dairy, which really helped. But that yeah. healing that I did every month for an entire year and that I gave that to myself, I would just look at my quit that app and see how much money I was saving from not drinking because it, yeah. it's a, it felt like a luxury and then it felt like a necessity. And so it really helped my self-esteem. It helped me. You guys, we're just so down and out when we're, when we just quit drinking, you know, we're feeling like we're, mm-hmm. it and that we look horrible or I looked horrible. I'm not going to say we, but I looked horrible. And, um, it was a really beautiful thing I did for myself. So that work that you do is, I just want to say that was part of the beginning of my healing. It was really important. And it's something too about oh, being touched, it. like let, mm-hmm. letting yourself being touched. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. And then it, yeah, isolated, touch, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if you've isolated yeah. for yeah. a long time. It's very safe, very non-sexual. I have to right, specify right. that. People look at massages as, oh, you know, like, ooh, massage. No, it's not no. like that. It's Massage is essential for grounding and transmuting energy and for healing your body because you're doing the healing work. I'm not doing any of that. I'm providing a space and a listening ear and some skills, but I am certainly not doing the healing. That's what your job is to do. Mm. You heal yourselves. And you know what? You're heal- you healed your own skin, Tammy, mm. right? Um, by treating yourself and allowing that, allowing it. That's the thing. We, we all have the ability to do it. It's just whether we let ourselves do it or not. And, and when I started my business, I was like, you cystic acne. My face was a mess. My drinking, I have puffy eyes, acne everywhere. And I remember hearing one woman say, you have a spa. Wow. Your face is so like broken out. And I was thinking, Oh, I just wanted, and that just made me drink even more. I was like, okay, well, why am I in this business if I can't even heal myself, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so there's a challenge there with women. We have our physical appearances deeply tied into a lot of our self-esteem and, and how we feel about ourselves. And, and it can become a vicious circle if we don't look after that, right? Yeah, for sure. Because we're more than just our skin, obviously. We yeah. are so much more than our skin. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it was a um, a gift I gave myself that I was really grateful that I did. And um, and I appreciated it. The spa that, or the, where I went, they, they do the whole um, champagne and mini facials on Friday nights. And again, working mm-hmm. on judgment, uh, 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 I had a problem with that in the, in the beginning. And then I was like, I don't go on Friday nights. I go on Wednesdays mm-hmm. and I love what she Lovely. does. And she, maybe that's her, she doesn't have a problem that I have. You know what I mean? So I, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I love, mm-hmm. I love them. I still go to them. Um, well, we kind of need to wind it down. I think ladies, we have so much more we could still mm. talk about though. Aww. Aww. Oh, okay. Jillian. I know. Acceptance. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you girls, everything I said, you girls had such an insightful little you know, he summed it up so beautifully. And I just love talking to you both. It's wonderful. Oh, I have love. I have really enjoyed talking to you, Jillian. I think we need to hang out sometime. Yeah, I think we do. Yeah, yeah that's in order. <laughs> that is in order. Um, so we're at the part of the show where we share um, with our listeners uh, from your unruffled toolbox, any items, either creative or sobriety related that help you, um, be calm and not agitated or that inspire you. Um, do you have three things to share? I certainly do. All right. Okay. Um, well, we, we've talked about some of them. Um, my first tool is um, presence. And, and that's what I bring into everything that I try to do now. I try to uh, respond instead of react, as you said earlier. Um, so that's meditation for me. I do a nightly meditation sometimes in the morning, but I'm not really, I'm still working on mornings. Okay. Mornings are still something I'm working on, but in the evening I wind down with meditation and bathing and, um, presence in all that I do. Okay. Um, because that focus helps me heal and helps me not project into the future and not worry about things that happened when I was younger. It helps bring me right into the present moment. Um, Photography is still a thing which I've been working on lately because I just I find that's just a great outlet. The dream boarding and the crystals and and so crystals for me and I I'm not a person that collects. I don't have to have every crystal and know what they do, but if something works for me, it works. And right now, 
my biggest thing is my turquoise. I wear a humongous chunk of turquoise and this actually grounds me, helps keep me um, feeling calm and not agitated, I guess, as you say, and it works. And I mean, not, it doesn't work for everybody and people may not believe in it, but there's something about it that I didn't believe was working until I had, you know, worn this thing a couple of times. And then I realized, you know what, it's working. This is actually working for me. So, you know, those are my three things. Those are good. Those are good ones. Oh, thank you so much, Jillian. Um, people, we want people to be able to get in touch and or see your magic. So um, what's the best way for them to follow you or find you or what, what's your chosen way? Yeah. Um, you know what? Instagram and uh, Instagram messenger is pretty much the only thing I'm promoting. I don't, I don't, I'm a rare bird. I don't have anything to promote. I don't sell anything. I don't do programs. I don't do anything. So my service to sober ladies, people, humans is my Instagram. And if you want to reach out to me, I do answer all of my direct messages personally. And sometimes if I can't type, I'll just do the audio and send you an audio clip and, and we can talk back and forth like that. It, may, it makes typing a little easier, you know, a little less uh, involved. So yeah, Instagram is honeybee9 uh, or honeybee.9 perhaps it is uh, at Instagram. So that's Perfect. it. That's how you get me. Oh, if you need wonderful. me. Thank you so much, Jillian. Thank this was you, such Jillian. a delight. No. Such a delight. Oh, thank you, girls. So good. Thank you. I'm really honored. Thank you. I can feel your good, positive energy just just Mm -hmm. over this microphone. Yeah. Uh, I adore you both, and I'm really honored to have been part of this. Thank you for asking me. I appreciate that. Of course. Well, have a beautiful day, ladies. Okay. Bye. You too. Take care, guys. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.